Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by JP Ong. We were just having a bit of a chuckle about baseball, but you know. And I don't even like baseball, but here we are. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> I'm good at throwing things. Haven't you already figured that out, JP? Uh, yes, actually. The, the, uh, the welt on, my, on, on the right side of my forehead will, will be testament to that. <laughs> now, the reason why we can look at football. Football. Where did that come from? Baseball. Wow, you're having a great hump day today, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I'm not even blonde. Um, somebody who is blonde is not having such a great day today. Though. That is uh, true. And I believe you're, if you're talking about a British blonde. Yes, a British blonde He's indeed. not exactly having a great day. And he's also finding out just how difficult it is to win over the and, and woo and win over the hearts in Parliament. It seems that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, has suffered a... Uh, would, is crushing a, a that word at the moment? Let's just say... Uh, call, let's, let's call it crushing. Let's, let's call it a significant blow. <laughs> um, he tables his uh, Brexit proposal. It gets roundly rejected. And what, what it was at stake was he did make a pledge that if it was rejected, he would uh, be open... Or or he would uh, hold snap elections mm-hmm. in the UK on, I believe, October 14, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, October 14. But yep. that's cutting it close because the deadline for the Brexit is October 31. Mm-hmm. So, again, uh, things are very, um, it's, it's rather tight. So the, and uh, while the rejection of his, his, uh, of his deal, which, raised the, which lowered the prospects of a no-deal Brexit, um, did see markets just uh, breathe a bit of a sigh. Remember, there's still a lot of uncertainty there. That's happening out in the UK. We don't know what's going to happen with if that election does come to come to pass. Will Boris Johnson actually keep his word and declare those elections? Will he be able to uh, marshal enough uh, goodwill to support his deal later on? Another deal, should he decide to table a new one later on down the road? And is this going to really clear up any signs of um, of Britain actually getting their act together before they head out of the European Union, if they still decide to do that? Uh, again, there's so An many things. An election might change that. An election might change that. So there's a lot of uh, things up in the air. And I think what's telling also is that there's the difficulty of passing things in the British Parliament. And this is just me playing armchair amateur mm-hmm. uh, British political analyst here, right. which is all I can do at the moment, uh, is you can see how fragmented things are. There, One of the things was there were key defects from the Conservative Party sure. and Boris Party, Johnson's party to go over to the other side. But this was also a similar, a bit of a mirror image to some of the motions that Theresa May passed before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just goes to show how difficult it is to gauge the political currents in that chamber at the moment the, among the members of parliament. And and again, as as I, I will hark, I will go back to what Terence Wu of OCBC, the fork strategist, said when we were looking at the pound. Ask yourself, these political events, are they going to raise or lower the possibility of a no-deal Brexit? And I think the things... Um, it's arguable that things have become muddier than uh, they have been clearer because of that. In fact, uh, but and uh, you're seeing that though the British pound did strengthen a little bit against the U.S. dollar, there it goes again, starting to show a bit of weakness uh, coming into the afternoon session at one spot twenty. Uh, it's worth about one U.S. dollar and twenty-one cents per sterling at the moment, and it's it's not. Um, if you, if you're looking for strong gains or a sigh of relief, it's mm-hmm. just a bit of a whimper right now, a positive whimper that is, but a, but a, a very light whimper for the British pound at the moment because there's still.
still a lot of risk. Now, is this impacting markets? That is probably the question. That was actually surprising because it doesn't seem to have. Well, the thing is, too, and I, I have spoken to a couple of market strategists mm-hmm. who have asked to remain off, uh, off, off record <laughs> at the moment. Um, uh, and uh, simply because they haven't really cleared it with their core comms folks. Sure. But they have said that the impact of Brexit will probably be ha- will have more impact on what's happening in the UK and in the EU more than it does on Asia. And you can see it right now by how the rest of Asia Pacific is trading at the moment. The only market that's actually in the red among the majors is uh, Shenzhen and Australia. Australia, mm-hmm. the ASX mm-hmm. 200 down by about half a percent. I think it's also because of those uh, relatively lackluster GDP figures that they released earlier today. Australia's GDP is still growing, but it's the slowest growth in about 10 years sure. or since since the uh, Great Recession of or the financial crisis of uh, 2008-2009. Um, Shenzhen is pulling back a bit, but everyone else is actually looking... Uh, uh, is uh, is uh, daring to be a bit solid. You're seeing Shanghai up by about a quarter percent. Even the Hang Seng up by 1.25 percent. That's a bit of a. That's quite the rebound for the beleaguered Hong Kong benchmark. The Nikkei 225 up by 0.2 percent. And even here, are the Straits Times Index seeing one of their stronger outings in recent memory, mm. or strongest outings actually for the month of September. We're up to 3,110 points. Up by 0.6 percent, and and uh, the the answer is yes. Appetite has started to return. We're mm-hmm. seeing um, almost 500 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. It's not much when you compare it to most average days, but when you compare it to the last two days where we struggled to see 600, 800 million Singapore dollars yeah. for the entire day, this is actually a healthy sign. Maybe that there the is traders a bit of a just back. gave themselves a couple of days, extra days off. I think, yeah, yeah, perhaps. I think it's also a bit of a bounce at the moment. And keep in mind, this is also happening after we released again yet another set of uh, of fairly discouraging manufacturing figures, mm-hmm. PMI figures in uh, Singapore again, showing that manufacturing contracted for the fourth straight month. It did ease a little bit. Keep in mind that if it's below 50, you're at contraction. We came in at about 49.9. So a touch below that, and perhaps uh, traders hopeful that maybe this is the sign of things starting to ease a little bit, but it's still in contraction territory. Right. In fact, it's done enough that uh, private sector economists believe that Singapore's GDP for this year might actually uh, only grow by about 0.6%. It's within the target range of the of the government, but mm-hmm. it's still uh, quite the revision downward because before that, it, the earlier prediction in June was that we would see growth of 2.1%. So from 2.1% to 0.6%, that's quite the significant reduction for them. Nevertheless, uh, markets are bouncing back so far. And uh, I, I do have one guess as to what's really helping them at the moment. Oh, let's hear it. Okay, well, again, uh, things tend to... J- tend to uh, emanate from Greater China, mm-hmm. and we did see that their uh, manufacturing, their PMI figures were a little mixed. Chaixin was grew a little bit, and but, but the official gauge actually showed that it was still contracting. In mm-hmm. fact, Iris Pang of Gre- of ING, the she's the Greater, she's the economist for Greater China. I always sure. mix that up. The economist for Greater China at ING said that she does uh, think that the official PMI figure, which showed contraction, holds more weight. Now here comes the updates on China's um, on China's uh, services PMI. So this tracks growth of the, of the service. Is PMI, and it showed that there was a, the service sector actually showed signs of growing and a clear sign of recovery in the sector in August. Mm-hmm. And one thing that China has been trying to do over the last couple of years, also, and and and, and it's probably one of their few hopes that maybe they can they can stave off a downturn is if they can do this rebalancing from manufacturing and industry more towards service and demand driven. 
economies. Well, if services, if the services sector expanded at their fastest pace in three months with new orders coming domestically, perhaps the Chinese economy is starting to find a way to stabilize itself Mm -hmm. and thus lending some confidence across the markets. Also, China also lowered their new lending reference rate, their policy rates, uh, uh, lower than expected in a move to perhaps bolster or perhaps provide support to the markets amidst this growing trade war tension that they're having, which doesn't seem to be showing signs of easing. So I think these two things coming from China is adding a lot more uh, stimulus, at least, to uh, Asian markets so far today. And the STI, one of the beneficiaries so far, with returned appetite and gains of about 19 points so far. It, it, it's nice to see the Hong Kong Hang Seng do a little bit of a bounce as well. Mm-hmm. Think it, so. ha- it hasn't looked very good in the last yeah, few days. And I think it's also, come, again, this comes from China also because there are reports from Reuters that Beijing is starting to soften its toe, its uh, stance or starting to show signs of softening their stance against Hong Kong and perhaps being a little bit more, uh, a little bit more gentle than they have been in, in recent weeks. So I think this also just adding, lending just a little bit of, uh, of hope at least for Hong Kong. And mind you, what, whatever is good for, greater chi- for the mainland or the, chi- or the ma- greater Chinese economy is usually good for Hong Kong. And if there is a pickup in, uh, in services that's, in, that's showing stabilizing, a stabilizing mainland economy. This also could benefit Hong Kong because regardless of what's happening at the moment, Hong Kong is still seen as one of the key gateways into the greater Chinese market. So if there's a pickup in activity or growth in China, generally Hong Kong gets a little bit of that China. And maybe that's also contributing to why Hong Kong is bouncing back today. But this is also a rather volatile market. This is true. And that may or may not hold. But I do know one thing. It, is, it might actually be a good time to travel to Hong Kong. Um, hotel rates are at least 50% of what they were six weeks ago. I mean, uh, if, if I mean, if you're good at tiptoeing and avoiding certain protests that are going on there, and if you're not, uh, if, if you find, if you find a, an Unless they start protesting things, in the major shopping malls, I, I think you're saying. And that, and that is still possible. I mean, they have, <laughs> they have protested some of these commercial establishments in the new territories and some of these outside ones. But sure. if they start protesting there, it might make your visit a bit unpleasant. But keep in mind that... Uh, that uh, hotel bookings, at least in Singapore, have picked up over the last two months. And That's some people right. have said that we can't really quantify if this is coming from Hong Kong, but we have a hunch is basically what the in- industry is saying, that there is increased demand shifting here, not just because it's peak tourism season also, but also because they're seeing some of these uh, conventions and seminars mm-hmm. starting to shift to Singapore mm-hmm. over the last few few weeks. So good news for some of these convention reads, such as Suntech, for instance. Well, good for them, yes. And you know what? We haven't actually had much news coming out to the U.S. Fed. Mm-hmm. And um, it's looking like they're saying maybe no rate cut? Um, well, well, at least one of them is. And uh, when I spoke to Stephen Innes of, of uh, MP Capital uh, a few weeks ago, he did warn us that Boston Fed the Chair Eric Rosengren happens to be one of the more hawkish uh, members of the Federal Reserve. So it, we, we have to keep uh, that in mind also that Rosengren happens to be that. But he's the one who has actually said today that no, he doesn't think that there is a, uh, that there is a need or a, a pressing need at the moment for a rate cut come September. Now, markets are still hoping that the, that the Fed will actually do this. But according to them, the data is still rather strong. That is called into question, though, because we saw a slight contraction actually in, in the U.S.'s own manufacturing PMI um, for, 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 the, for their most recent month also. Um, you saw, you've seen the likes of uh, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard, Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren, who you mentioned also saying that, that they, they don't really see um, Bullard actually is, uh, is going up against Rosengren actually. They're going head to head and just showing that also in, in the Federal Reserve there is a divided opinion but mm-hmm. I don't think it's as divided or as uh, vitriolic for lack of a better term than what's going on in, the, in, Parliament, in British Parliament at the moment. I don't think any place is right now. Yeah, it, it's true. Um, one thing 
though, I remember there was a very interesting article that one strategist that CNBC spoke to actually said is that sometimes the Fed and some of these central banks like the ECB tend to show signs of hawkishness before they actually solidify a rate cut. And they, and they actually say that just because there are some members that express a hawkish view, it doesn't mean that, that the Fed will follow suit or the ECB will follow suit. In fact, this could be just them saying, OK, let's get some of the centers out of the way first and just so they can set market expectations or make sure that people move in rational, in rational manners. And then when we make the decision, we actually cut rates. So this is also rather possible just because we've got some It just sounds prominent- like a poker player's trick. It is, actually. I think it's just them trying to say, look, I call, I raise, and stuff. Um, so I think the, the message here is that just because a prominent member like Fed president, like Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren has come out saying that there is no immediate need for a move doesn't mean that the Fed will follow suit because, again, the strongest voice in that room is still Jerome Powell's. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other central bankers but who are saying... But he's not saying very much. He's not saying very much, but I think it's also good that he, he does... And perhaps the strategy right now is to make sure that, there's a, there's, that they have this media blackout with regards to at least what Jerome Powell is saying to make sure that the, there is no added confusion in the markets mm-hmm. at the moment, and to make sure that when they get to the to the policy meeting, okay, this is the clear message that we're going to you should be focusing on. Also, um, I think what's going to be telling is uh, we're not going to be uh, able to tell much until we get to that meeting, which is in two weeks from now. But keep in mind that before that, the, the ECB will be meeting also, and I'm sure they'll be talking about some of these de- some of these uh, developments out in the UK or the departing Great Britain and how this might impact the European the eurozone economy once they leave the EU if they're still set on leaving right. the EU too again so many uncertainties up in the air still a big if there mm. all right so what do you think for this rest of the trading day are we going to cross a billion dollars uh who that's asking for a lot actually <laughs> um but you know i i, I Appetite looks like it's it's actually improved. I would say my conservative bet would be a billion flat would a be a, would, flat. would be would be a would be a reasonable target I think for for local markets in terms of value turnover and I think we can sustain this because it is a twenty point gain unless something again is you a lot can happen in an afternoon also if something is announced and if something does sap markets at the, towards the end um, because it's also possible you could see some profit takers come in towards the towards the, end of the trading day. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to encourage anybody to do anything drastic on the markets at the moment as if I could influence them, right? I think they will be holding on to some of these gains if you were to ask me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am not the uh, judge and arbiter of where the Straits Times Index will be heading. I have only been in this country for nine months after all. Well, you know what? <laughs> if you want to find out closer to the time when that uh, closing bell plays, then uh, JP Ong is going to be on from 4 p.m. on primetime and he will be bringing the latest financial news to you then on Money FM 89.3. This has been a Workday Afternoons Market View. I'm Clarissa Montero. He's JP Ong. You stay locked on to Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.